Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Well, we are going to, um, oh, let's move this first. I'd like to uh, welcome up Jovita. Jovita is the founder and the main influencer of the, <laughs> I made that up for you, for the Minnesota Immigrant Movement, and um, they are going to be sharing uh, their story and what we do. Please give her a round of applause. Good morning, everybody. Um, so I'm going to apologize. I speak three languages. Um, I'm originally from a indigenous community in state of Mexico, so I'm going to be apologize if I don't pronounce er uh, everything very well. But I'm here with my heart um, to, to share my story a little bit, who, who we are and who I am and why we are here. Um, Kimi, that's uh, good morning, uh, buenos dias. My name is Jovita. I identify as an indigenous woman of color. I am a founder of Minnesota Immigrant Movement and community or organizer. As a meme, um, the group, it's a grassroots group that we are volunteer Latinx leaders in the community working areas that is being impacted us in social life and economic. We are leaders that unify by love, same causes, respect, passion, patience, uh, faith, a lot of hope, and courage, justice, and humble. Uh, I came in the United States when I was 14 years old and I didn't know that I was coming in here in the United States. Um, I, I used to live in an indigenous town in Mexico, and the reason that we came over here is because NAFTA, um, when NAFTA came to, oh, they opened that, um, a lot of companies came to my town, and it was um, a little bit contaminated, the, the land. We didn't cultivate or harvest the, the, the food that we was cultivating, my parents, um, make us to to go different places to work. I thought I was coming to the Mexico City to work, as I used to went a uh, couple times, and then um, I found out that I was coming in here. I didn't know that I was crossing the board um, without knowing that I was doing that. Um, my family knew it that I was coming over here, I guess, and I arrived in. In, in Chicago, and then we, we drive here at uh, Minneapolis in Minnesota. Um, I've been living for almost 27 years, I believe, or 28 years um, in Minnesota, and I um, have uh, been a little bit struggling living in here, knowing, knowing the system, the way that it's, it's been in place, learning um, a lot of barriers that I have in my life. And I have two kids 
that um, they graduate. My daughter just graduated um, college last year. My son is still, um, he finished high school and I have a grandson um, that it's six years old, um, Adiel, that's his name. And I'm here in Minnesota. Uh, is my story challenge about all the resources, all the uh, around integration and um, equity, justice, and um, we are. I've been working hard and learning English. I um, I used to work as a doula. As a um, doula means we working with moms that are pregnant. Uh, women should know the hard labors on those days and how really important to support. And one of the the reason that I um, do this because I experienced myself at the hospital um, not having a lot of resources when I was pregnant. So I have to study a lot and. Nowadays, I can I know how the 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 system um, work a little bit more and and try to understand um, the life that I'm I'm here right now, and I share a lot of loves with my neighbors in my community. I really love Minnesota as my home, and I'm taking care of it. And the reason that um, we are here is to share the stories, many of, of community or immigrants community that live in this society. Um, there is an, uh, an uh, we, we call, I call the, in a dark room, where it's not integration yet. Um, we're not integrating in the society that other um, group of community live. And we so isolated to everybody, I guess, because of the fears, um, of immigration or multiple issues or multiple um, aspect. But this is my story. Um, many of immigrant community live in Minnesota for many, many decades and have kids that also been impacted in the education, in the, in the um, healthcare, housing, everything, transportation. Um, and uh, I be hearing the music. It's feel like this place is like really, um, really. I don't know how to say like the spirit. It's really peace, peaceful. And um, so this is um, who I am. Um, so I'm taking uh, this space. Thank you so much for giving me the space. And I don't know. Someone had most question. I don't know what what else I can say. But this is um, reflecting a lot of the immigrants community that there um, for any other reason we are here. And that we can, all I can say and speak for them is that um, we bring a lot of loves. We have families. We're taking care of the families and our neighbors. And we are, are here to open and integrate ourselves too. So I'm just, yeah. I think that's all. I'm gonna call um, Kay, that a young wo uh, woman can share her story and his perspective about youth and be youth um, as the parents of immigrants. Thank you. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, just a little bit of me. I get really nervous when I do public speaking, so. If I um, 
stumble or mumble. It's just I am very, um, I get a little bit messed up with my words and I get a little bit nervous. Um, but as Obita said, uh, my name is Kay. Um, thank you all for allowing us to um, be here and taking up space. My name is Kay. Um, I'm also a part of the Minnesota immigrant movement, and my team is on the back, so um, shout out to them. Um, so Paul, Melissa, Jovita, and Angelica. Um, and as Jovita said, um, I have been a youth um, that has been affected by uh, my parents' immigration status. So growing up um, at a young age, I became very aware of um, the inequalities that a youth has to just growing up with undocumented parents, like um, as youth, you grow up very hyper aware of things. Um, I know that, like at the age of three, uh, my mom, like she, she was a warrior. She was here in Minnesota all by herself, you know, and like really struggling by herself. And at the age of three, you know, like just seeing her struggles, you know, made me like really um, committed to social justice and like I don't know, like doing everything for the well-being of my community. Um, currently, I'm a youth worker, and so I also work with youth that have like undocumented parents. And so now that I'm older and understand more of like the social structures, so social structures, um, I don't know, it's just uh, like I, like I, as a youth worker, you know, I feel like a big mama bear and I wanna protect them, you know? <laughs> um, but it's, it's um, as youth, I also see like, um, I see myself reflected in them. Um, I know that when I call to recruit parents, I know that a lot of youth um, are not able to like enroll into after school programs because of transportation. Transportation is a big issue and they, um, when I call parents, it's like, oh, like um, I can't um, take my ki kids to like uh, this youth program that offers like after school program enrichment because I just don't have a driver's license. Um, so transportation is a big one. I call parents and they ask me to help with like um, health insurance, you know, and like they just talk about how like their family have. Um, I work in an area in Southside that is the Phillips um, neighborhood, and so a lot of the youth over there, um, there's a huge high uh, number of youth that um, suffer from asthma because um, there is um, the Phillips, there's an arsenic site. Um, so like every morning there's like trucks passing by, you know, and so like it pollutes like our youth. And so like I receive calls and like from others, you know, where it's like, hey, like, um, like, can you help me? You know, like my kids are in the hospital. So like, I don't know, like our youth are always, like all we see like our youth, our undocumented youth, you know, that are, I don't know, are really affected by the system. And so like as a youth worker, it's sad to see that. Um, but like Jovita said, you know, I echo what Jovita says, you know, like um, I'm currently finishing a sociology degree at Oxford University. And so um, coming from undocumented parents, you know, like I, I just want to, I just, I'm here for the well-being of my community, for the well-being of like future generations, you know. So like I love Minnesota. I want to see it thrive, you know. And so like, I don't know, like I really appreciate you all hearing and like, um, um, so yeah, like I said, I get nervous with public speaking, so I'm sorry if I just <laughs> ramble on, but that's just my story. There's more to tell, um, but that's just a little bit of my instant inside of my um, story, and so thank you for listening. So yeah. <laughs> and I want to call up my friend Angelica. 
So if we can, give a round of applause to her as well. Hola, Tonalte, Nanotoka Angelica. My name is Angelica. Um, I, I was uh, born in Tlaxcala, Mexico, and um, I came here when I was four to five years old. I am currently at school with Kay. That's actually how we met. <laughs> um, we met through a class, astronomy class. Yeah. Uh, and um, growing up, I didn't know what it was to be undocumented. I was just a kid, you know, you're just a kid growing up, <laughs> going through um, every day. And then one day comes and um, my mom, she is a single mother of four. And so growing up, um, it was hard to get to places due to transportation and her not driving. And it was also hard because she was a single mother um, taking care of all four of us. And um, I had to start working. I was like, I need to start working. You know, I want to help my mom out. And um, I realized that I couldn't at 10 years old <laughs> because I was... Um, undocumented, and then um, I am a DACA recipient, um, so that gives me a two-year two work, per work permit, and you have to apply to it every two years. Um, and so eventually, when I turned 16, 15, I started working, no, 16, yeah, <laughs> I started working, and I, started, I was able to help my mom out, um, and I was able to take, you know, keep continuing to take care of my siblings, and I can say that um, growing up um, undocumented and growing up with, with, an, with an undocumented mother was really hard, um, not only financially, but also mentally. Um, it was hard to, it was hard, it was hard to accept my own existence um, while the outside world is telling me that I'm all these names, you know, they tend to use the word illegal alien. And it's like, um, I'm pretty sure I bleed the same color <laughs> as you all. <laughs> um, and um, I would just say that my mental health got really affected. Um, I did attempt suicide three times. And um, my mom also tried that once. And I can say that we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our community holding us down, for people like Kay, for people like Jovita, for people like Melissa and her husband. Um, it was thanks to my community that I'm able to be here today, that I'm able to study today, that I'm able to stand here in front of you all today. Like, we are the product of our community. We are the product of, of the love that the people give us. We are the product of, of people seeing my teachers seeing seeing me as as an individual as as somebody that can do something in this world as somebody as, as a human simply humanity and um yeah i guess i stand here today sharing a little bit of my story as kay has said there's a lot more um but i can say that i'm just very thankful for our communities because even though my mental health and was a was a really affected, our community was there. They had our back. And through all traditional medicines, through traditional danza, I've been able to heal all the all the hurt 
that had been caused to our families. And now I have two young, I have, you know, I have two younger siblings and seeing them grow up, um, I hope that they continue to live in a world where we can see each other as human, where we can see each other and actually give each other that, that acceptance that we all, we all deserve to have our rights. You know, we're all human and um, yeah, I guess I just want to say thank you for listening and I hope that we can continue together as a community to heal our people, to continue reaching out a hand to our people because when we might not think that when we, when we don't acknowledge each other and when we don't see each other for who we are, like yes, I am brown, yes, we are Latinas, yes, well, I, I am indigenous, yes, like I'm here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, thank you, Tlaso Kamati. And then I am by Melissa. <laughs> hey y'all, good to see you. My name is Melissa, and I'll be reading a little bit more just so that I don't get all over the place. So before I begin, I want us to reflect on these verses. And I'm going to have to take my glasses off, sorry. I'm getting to that age where, like, I need bifocals. <laughs> um, here, and here are the two verses. Uh, when, I w when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I was born in um, Peru to a Peruvian father and a British mother. And when I was 10, um, we came here to Minnesota on a temporary work visa for my father. My father was working for a Minnesota-based company. Um, I've, I would say that I've had a very close relationship with um, God um, from a very young age. Um, from very early on, probably six, seven years old, I um, and have felt her guide me um, in every step of my life. And so my faith to me um, has just been a, a very, very tied to my daily living um, growing up at a very early age. Um, and when we landed into the United States, we kind of landed in the evangelical spheres a little bit. And um, I continued to hear a gospel, um, <laughs> a gospel. Um, at these evangelical spaces, but I'm afraid that um, they shared what they shared was a little bit of a truncated, truncated version of it. Forgets to truly seek what we pray when we say, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven," and neglects the part where Jesus said that he came to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoner, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free. 
Jesus said that. That's his gospel. And I want to share a quick analogy from the book Brown Church. Um, it is written by um, Roberto Chao Romero. And in the book, um, the analogy is that it sees the gospel as two wings of a plane. In the 60s and 70s, there were Latino liberation theologists like um, Dr. René Padilla and Samuel Escobar um, from Latin America. And they frame the idea of the gospel as misión integral, an integral gospel or an integral or holistic um, mission. Um, and the idea was that the gospel was like two wings of a plane. One wing is the verbal proclamation about the good news of Jesus as Lord, Savior, Redeemer of everything and in every aspect of the world. And the other wing is the embodiment of that good news in acts of justice and mercy, love and compassion. To explain it another way, one wing is the relationship with our Creator, a transforming relationship, the discipleship relationship with Jesus that changes every single ounce of who we are. And then the other wing is the relationship with our neighbor, loving our neighbor as our, ourselves. It's the relationship with our maker wing that fuels the relationship with our neighbor wing. And that leads us to social justice. And we know that the plane, that, that a plane, uh, one wing to the exclusion of the other. But whatever wing you're missing, the plane is going to crash. So seeing the gospel in a holistic way for me, even though I was in those spaces, is really what pre uh, preserved my faith and just having such a close, intimate relationship with Jesus. So after the first year that we were here in the States, my father was told that his work department was closing and he was told that he would have to return to Peru without a job in the middle of really high unemployment and in deep political turmoil. It was just dangerous to be in Peru at the time. Returning was not an option. We f um, felt out of status at that moment. Um, and we, um, at one point, we chose to self-deport. We stayed in England during that time. Remember, my mother was British, so we had that option. Then we did that while we waited for the temporary visa. However, England uh, was not a long-term solution as my father was also not allowed to work there. So there were seasons of my life where some folks would have called me illegal. And that's what we have to remember, that when we use words like that, it dehumanizes folks. Um, that things happen in people's lives that we just don't understand. So when we're talking about undocumented populations in the United States, we're often only given one narrative of who they are. Or willfully acted illegally without truly taking the time to know their stories. God, however, calls us to a higher standard. When God says to love our neighbor as yourself, it requires that we know our neighbors know their stories, and recognize the danger of a single narrative and the stereotype that we've often been told. Even though we were poor, because immigration lawyers are really, really expensive, 
Many immigrants that come here don't have the resources or safety and options that my family had. They don't have the option of a third country like we did. Most of them don't. So once we return to the States, we continued to apply for temporary visas um, as we attended, attempted to also get a, a permanent visa. You have to apply for those two things separately. And we continue to get denied for a permanent visa. The permanent visa lets you stay here permanently. Um, these paths are only open to a few people. When we're talking about visas, they're not open to just whoever. There's not a just get in line, pay the fees, and you're in. For most folks, there isn't that path. Um, we desperately need immigration reform. And we need the folks who are born here, who can vote, to also be advocating constantly for that immigration reform because we still don't have a path. With what seemed to be no hope in sight for us, after so many visa denials, we had come to the conclusion that we were gonna overstay our last visa. We had no other options and we didn't have a place where my father could work. I distinctly remember the very last day of our temporary visa. I was in high school. I was walking home from school and I saw my mother at the mailbox and she screamed and I was really scared. I thought it was a letter of deportation. So I ran up to her to see what was going on. And she was screaming for joy <laughs> because in that letter, on the very last day of our visa expiring, it said that my father had gotten his permanent visa, a special interest visa. The only reason he got that because, is because he has a ton of education and he has a doctorate in mathematics. Most folks don't have that background and those resources. I wrote this because I wasn't planning to cry. <laughs> But it says, I often still cry about that moment, <laughs> as you can see. <laughs> about the trauma of living as a teenager in fear of deportation. And so many folks, so many people, children and teenagers live in that fear. As followers of God, are we okay with continuing that sort of anxiety for these teenagers and that's th these children. We need to live in a society where kids don't have to live in that da danger, in that fear, and we need to help our neighbors make sure that they don't go through what I went through and these ladies went through too. Siblings, we must seek 
merciful and just policies for our immigrant neighbors. God requires action from us. God's self requires that we do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. This is the second wing of the plane. This is where the gospel is embodied. I ask you to join me in this mission integral, in this holistic mission, where the gospel is not just about a close relationship with our maker, but also the embodiment of good news in acts of justice, mercy, love, and compassion. Something practical that we can do is advocate, look, look up the current immigration policies that we're dealing with on a state level and on a federal level. On a federal level, it would be things like immigration reform. On a state level, we have opportunities to provide health care for immigrants. We have opportunities to um, give driver's licenses for immigrants. We have opportunities to provide better schooling and all these other things that families don't struggle with as much that the immigrant community does. And so I'm asking you today to please join us in this Misión Integral as followers of God to choose to love our neighbors as ourselves. Um, I'm going to end this with the Bishop Romero prayer, since we're talking about liberation theology. So I'm going to ask all of you guys to pray this with me. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seed that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something, and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is the beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. 
We are prophets of a future that is not our own. Amen. Thank you.